What's up, my beautiful Crips and Walkers? Welcome back to Handy Schlapped. We are going to continue on our faith journey. Today we are talking about the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10 of the Bible. Coming right up on Handy Schlapped. Welcome back again to Handy Schlapped everyone we are continuing in our faith walk and we today are going to discuss mark chapter 10 verses 17 through 31. now i want to talk about this today because i gave a sermon on it yesterday at my church uh, via video through a live stream and um at my church we are starting a new series called i love now, it's the month of February. Everything is all about love right now. Loving your wife, loving your girlfriend or your boyfriend, loving your partner, whatever it may be, or loving your family. And we um, have been talking about how to take this concept of loving all of these people and things in our lives and how, biblically speaking, and in other ways, these can become idolatry. So we are going to do a whole series on idolatry in a familiar way at my church, and I thought it would be kind of fun to take the sermon I did yesterday and bring it right here to the podcast for you beautiful people. So let's dive right in to the passage and dissect it verse by verse. If you want to turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 31. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him, Jesus, and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud and honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all of these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he, the man, went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. 
And they were exceedingly astonished. And they said, How can we be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Verse 28, Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life but many who are first will be last and the last first all right so when we look at this passage jesus is saying a lot here a lot of deep theology and a lot of deep life application we see so much of what this man is going through how we relate to him and the same um, hunger and deep desire that we all long for keyword long or longing and we see how this man who's rich is a young man um in the other gospels like luke and matthew they describe him as a rich young ruler possibly in like the high council or some kind of a local group in the culture or something like that and we see him he sees Jesus making his way through he runs to him with such great enthusiasm and honor as we read in the passage how uh, he knelt before Christ knelt before him in honor right before him and asks him what must I do to inherit eternal life? But you see, the key word here is inheritance, or to inherit. How must I get this? How do I achieve this? How do I accomplish this? I've done these great things. So you see, in the Jewish culture, inheritance had to do exactly with that. What can I accomplish, and how can I upkeep the law as much as possible how can i earn my good things how many good deeds must i do to achieve great status and get these so-called gift of eternal life they believed it was about merit and doing the right thing and uh basically accomplishing it by good works and the things you had and the things you had to show for it. And also see how, take that and look at how the man addresses Jesus as good teacher. Good teacher because like with the Jewish inheritance, he thought Jesus earned that title of good teacher. You are a teacher who was good. Therefore, you may have done a lot of good things to accomplish 
that title. And we also see some good questions being brought up. Jesus says, why do you call me good? That's a great question. What is good really? Is good something we earn? Is good something we simply do? How do I identify good? Philosophically speaking, good is most of it, whereas evil is the, the tampering of good. So they exist in one, whereas evil is something that tries to uh, corrupt good. And we see here in the passage, no one is good except God alone. Little did the, know, did the man know that he was talking to God in the flesh. And so we see a little more in the passage how God's gift is hindered by our possessions. God's gift is hindered by our possessions because this man, he failed to understand what Jesus was saying. He failed to understand, yet he had such great sincerity about it. He was so sincere and genuine that it just broke Jesus's heart. Jesus, right there, literally in front of him, telling him the truth and the key to inheriting eternal life. But the man just didn't quite understand. And Jesus says to him, you know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, etc., etc." He uses the latter five of the Ten Commandments. The latter five commandments deal with human relations, as in man-to-man, that kind of thing. And Jesus does this potentially because for two reasons. One, he's showing, well, okay, according to the law, you're not supposed to do this and that. And at the same time, he's kind of overviewing the very first commandment. Do not put other gods before me. He's indirectly doing so because he knows in the man's heart he is not following that. The man is putting his achievements, his prestige, and his possessions before God. He is using them as his merit to say that he is now ready to earn his inheritance. And the man says to Christ, Teacher, all of these I have kept from my youth. And I believe that. And so is Christ, of course. The man is being very genuine about it, like I said. He's done good things. He wants to do good things. But something's not quite 
there. Yes, we should in life follow the commandments and what Jesus teaches in the Gospels in a sense to grow in our spiritual walk, to grow in our relationship with Jesus, and to grow in our obedience to him. With faith comes obedience, and with obedience comes faith. And that's when Jesus looks at him, the man, and loves him. Kind of in the same way that a parent looks at their child um, who is doing good things, and they did something with good intention, but they're still missing something. Not saying they're not good enough. No, that's the wrong way to look at it. But in the sense of my son or my daughter, you mean well. You have great intentions. And you do really great with the things you do. But you still lack one thing that you still have not yet brought into your life. That you still have yet to do in a different way. You lack one thing. Go, or as you're going, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. Disheartened by the saying, the man went away sorrowful. The man just couldn't do it. He thought he literally had to sell all he had in order to accomplish this. Again, that's not really what Jesus is saying. He is saying that you need to let go. You need to let go of the things in your life. Or you need to let go of the devotion of your heart to your possessions. Your devotion to the idea that upkeeping the law and upkeeping prestige and basically making yourself trying to look good will bring you eternal life or salvation. And he leaves and walks away sorrowful and Jesus being sorrowful for him as well because Jesus' answer wasn't enough. And the man made his choice. He meant well. He failed to understand. He was sincere about his accomplishments and being a keeper of the law. But little did he know that the fulfillment of the law was talking to him face to face. And when the man didn't think he could do it, admitting defeat, he didn't choose to continue with Jesus. He chose defeat, and he chose to walk away. What's interesting is that how Jesus, in a little bit, talks to his disciples 
as children, or he addresses them as children. Earlier in this chapter, we get the passage on the children coming up to Jesus, and he, uh, with the people being weirded out by it, you could say, and Jesus halts them, and he says, hold up, let the little children come to me, for the kingdom of God is theirs. As in, having the heart of a child, having a childlike faith, not childish, childlike. And it's on the faith of a child that makes the difference, the innocence, the awestruck wonder, the fear of God, the hunger and longing for him as a child longs and hungers the love and connection with a parent. What's cool is that um, when you look at these two sections of the chapter, in English, um, Jesus says child or children uh, multiple times. Um, in English, that's simple language. But in the original Greek language of this passage, there are two different words for child being used here. In the passage previous to this one, with let the children come to me, Jesus is using the Greek word paidon. Uh, transliterally, P-A-I-D-O-N. In Greek, that means, okay, that young person, that little boy or that little girl, younger than the age of 13, um, very small, that's a child. That little person is literally a child. Okay, so Python is a simple identificator of a child, that's an adult, that's an elderly person, that kind of thing. But later in today's passage, when Jesus looks at his disciples after the man leaves and addresses them, as children, he uses a different word. He uses the word technon, transliterally T-E-K-N-O-N. What that means also has an identificator, as in like, yeah, that's a child, but there's a deeper meaning with that word usage. Technon more so means a heart thing. Or as in, where is your heart depending? What is your heart depending on? Where is your willing dependence? Depending on where that is determines whether or not you're a child. See, when, we're chi when we are spiritual children, our heart can be depending on something else. When you're an um, when you're an adult, your heart can depend on your finances, your job, your family, or um, all kinds of worldly things. Again, I'm not saying these things are bad. By no means am I saying that. But where is your heart 
focusing? Where are you devoting yourself? What is your willing dependence? That is the matter of what separates children from being adults, at least in the house of God. Does your heart depend on worldly things that are obvious and give you that immediate comfort temporarily? Or is your heart full-on faith depend on Christ? That's what separates child from adult. Trusting in the world or trusting in Christ? And so we see multiple times how this passage talks about wealth and possessions. See, at that time, in many circles, wealth equaled divine favor. Or having a lot of wealth or possessions made it look like you had a greater favor with God than those who did not have these things. But, unfortunately, that's something that's still twisted today. We see this in the prosperity gospel movements, in the sense that the more you trust God, the more money you will have, and that you will have no problems. The more money you have, the more blessed you are, and the more favor with God that you have. If something bad happens in your life, then you must be not doing something right. You know, it's stuff like this that gives Christianity a bad name, that gives Christians and the Bible and God himself a bad name. For we see in the book of Proverbs, chapter 10, verse 22, the blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. So we see passages like this that are easily taken out of context to see like, oh, see, God wants me to be rich and that's how I'll be happy. No, by no means is that what that means. Wealth does not mean divine favor or many possessions mean that God loves you more than sick people in other countries or people that die of disease or uh, children with cancer or anything. No. God loves them all. And it's what you do with it that matters, of course. But what does Jesus say to the man before? Take all that you have. Let go of it. In other words, for these things are not your foundation. All the great things you did, wonderful. Maybe they'll bring you closer to me rather than using them to take place of me. What Jesus tells the rich young man later in the passage about letting go and you will be rewarded a hundredfold in eternal life is that 
our spiritual rewards far exceed our sacrifices. Jesus is saying, sacrifice your devotion. Sacrifice your possessions. Let go of them. Let go of anything that may become an eclipse to me. Anything that might become a shadow over me that will block away your relationship with me and your salvation. Because God's law is not our salvation. God's law is not our salvation. In other words, our good works do not give us salvation. They flow from salvation. As in because the more we desire and depend on God, the more we will be inclined to do good things for his kingdom. Not the other way around. In that the more we do good things and fulfill his law and accomplishments, the more we will earn for salvation. No, not the case whatsoever. I ask you, what are you holding on to that is possibly hindering your relationship with God? Maybe it's a personal issue, but what are your riches that you cannot let go of? Maybe it's even sin itself. What is your secret sin that is convicting you and that you yet you hold on to it so dearly because it is so comforting and so loving and warm and cozy? What is that sin? What is that possession that is taking over for God's place? What is your God, I should say? What gods do we have to take God's place? There's a reason why Jesus gives this comedic illustration of a camel to the eye of a needle. Camels are huge. They're ginormous, obviously. And we have the eye of a needle, which is the smallest point and entryway that we can imagine or even see. So obviously you can't put a camel through that. It's impossible. Keyword impossible. What's impossible? Your own salvation by your own merit. Your own salvation by your own works or feeling like you have to achieve it or earn it by your own merit. Yes, do good things that flow from your faith because of your faith and because Jesus gives you the gifts to do so. Yes, by all means, do so. But don't think that it's going to earn you any more favor than others in the world. Don't think that it's going to earn you a front row seat in heaven. In some circles, they believe that our spiritual achievements will bring us to more intimate levels of heaven. 
that will earn us more better seats in the stadium, you could say. But I reject that theology and that teaching. And we look at sin as well and how it is so comforting that it's hard to let go. I get it. I truly do. We read in the book of Ecclesiastes from Solomon, who made many, many, many mistakes that God did not approve of, yet he is dubbed one of the wisest men, if not the wisest man, to ever live. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verses 12 through 13. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God, because they fear before them, but it will not be well with the wicked. Neither will he prolong his days like a shadow, because he does not fear before God. In other words, we have lost how to be in God's presence. We don't fear him, therefore we don't respect him or abide under his word, because it's not the way we want it. We want to earn our own way and do our own thing. But, like the camel and the eye of a needle, it's impossible. It's impossible salvation unless you completely let go of your dependency on other things and put your full heart and dependency in Christ alone who can save you, the only one who can save you. Otherwise, it is impossible on our own. So who can be saved? Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. The Apostle Paul says this, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh, as in our desires. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. In other words, the Apostle Paul, before he became saved, when he was Saul, a big ruler and who had huge accomplishments of fulfilling the Jewish law. He had every reason to boast for what he did to show that he was abiding under God's law and that he was fine in his flesh. But no, it wasn't until he was confronted by Christ, in this case, literally, in the book of Acts, where he was literally confronted by Christ and had a change of heart. Who can be saved? Those who truly trust Christ and do good for him and not good for ourselves. Because what is our treasure? God. God is our treasure. Because God's grace, God's grace is 
our inheritance. Nothing else. Nothing that we do. No certificates. Nothing like that. Again, all wonderful things, but not what saves us. No, not what saves us. Only the eternal life and salvation and gift of Christ himself that he tries so much to give to us. Some will accept it, some will reject it. That's just the way it is. But what will you do? What will you let go of in your life that has taken God's place? Are you willing to let go? Are you willing to let go of yourself and let God in and change you, regenerate you, change your heart, to let go of your secret sin, whether it's adultery, fornication, or masturbation, or uh, drugs, or money, or all these things that you have told yourself will bring you true fulfillment, or maybe it's love and relationships, whatever, we all have something. We all have our own little thing. But will you let go for Christ and cling to him? What do you need to let go of and depend on in Christ? Are you ready to let go and not win and not earn salvation by your own merit? Are you willing to let go of yourself and hug and hang on to Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray for all who are listening today, all who are lost, all who are broken and miserable or going through difficult times, Lord God, even for those that are doing okay, but do not with you. They have chosen to live life according to their own ways and not yours. Lord, I've been there. We've all been there. And I pray for anyone who is maybe disabled, going through str- struggles about you, understanding you. Why, God, have you made me this way? Why, God, am I so lonely? Why, God, am I so rejected and lost? Lord God, help us to trust you and to come to you with with your arms wide open. Lord, I thank you for all who are listening. I pray for them with any struggles they have and help us to let go of our possessions, let go of our idols, let go of our secret sin and our great treasures and our riches of this life so that we can embrace your eternal life and spiritual rewards. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Alright, well, I want to thank you all for listening again to this message. Next week I'm going to try a little more with seeing where we are on our faith journey. So stay tuned for next week and we will see where we are at. If you'd like to continue to in the conversation, you can add me on Facebook under Jordan Schrader. That's S-C-H-R-O-E T as in Tiger E-R. Or you can email me at JordanRobert71 at gmail.com 
If you'd like to support the show, please go on patreon.com slash candy Thank you all so much for listening. Have a great day. God bless you and be safe as always. And of course, stay classy. Take care.